Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dolores seemed like a nice young lady. She was at that wonderful age of life where everything felt and seemed so fresh and new. Her and her husband Stephen had just had their second child, a son, which means that she and Stephen had the all-American family. An older daughter, a younger son. Things were looking up. Things were going perfectly. They had that all-American dream and that all-American family. And while she was getting ready to return to work for the first time, she really kind of dreaded it. Now, it wasn't that she didn't like her job. She actually loved her job. She was one of those, she was a manager for kind of a local chain restaurant, if you will, but she wasn't the shift manager. No, she was the manager manager, which meant she got to kind of choose her hours a little bit, and so she would actually work at the restaurant from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., But that's not why she dreaded it. She loved her job. It kept her on her toes. Yeah, every now and again she'd have to spend a weekend at the restaurant seeing how things were running, seeing how things were going, making sure things were doing what they were supposed to do. But by and large, she loved her job. She loved doing what she was doing. The problem was, is that to to make ends meet, Stephen had taken a factory job, but even more importantly, he had started working second shift You see, you got an extra dollar an hour if you worked second shift. And so he worked second shift. So from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., he was at the factory. Which means by the time she would come home from work, she would have just enough time to say goodbye to her husband as he left to go to work. And by the time he came home, she was in bed. It enabled them to not require a babysitter. They didn't have to pay extra But the cost was that they hardly saw each other, with one exception, on Sunday. On Sundays, they were able to come together as a family. And they loved coming together as a family. Who wouldn't? They would have to force Stephen awake because it was earlier than normal for him. But then they would all, as a family, go to church. But then after church, Stephen would get to work. All of those things that he couldn't do during the week. All of those things that because he was babysitting and because he was taking care of the children, he never had time to get to. All those little projects and those little things. And so he would work most of the day on Sunday. A different kind of work. Not quite the factory job, but work nonetheless. If you were to talk to Dolores and Stephen about the text that stands before us from the Gospel of John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, but really even further than that, not just 1 through 9, but in fact, if you went all the way to verse 17, for you see, in verse, verses 10 to 17, Jesus is then confronted by some of the Pharisees who want to know why he is working on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus healed somebody, but he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And then Jesus' reply is basically that his Father in heaven is working, and so he is working. And if you were to show Dolores and Stephen these passages, they would finally say, yes, Sunday is our Sabbath. But just as Jesus was working, so Stephen works, and so I work. It's a different type of work for sure, but we need to work. We need to have things that we have to do. 
That would be her reply. That would be how she processed it. Not that she thought a lot about it beforehand, but that would be how she would kind of respond. Not understanding that ultimately what Jesus is saying is that, yes, my Father in heaven is working, and I am the true Son of God, and so I work. Which is what Jesus is saying in this instance. He is saying that He is God, and so He works. Because that's what God does. God is always active. God is at work. Kobe was our tour guide. Whenever I went over to Israel a couple years ago, four years ago, seems like forever ago, really it does. But four years ago when I went over to Israel, Kobe was our tour guide. Grew up in Michigan, if I remember correctly, before moving permanently over to Israel. And he moved over as an active Jew. He was Jewish. You see, that's the way it works over in Israel As in, even though our professor from seminary was the one who was leading our group, was leading our tour, when you go over to Israel, you have to have a tour guide that they give to you. And so Kobe was ours. Kobe followed us around. Kobe talked a little bit here and there. But one of the interesting things about Kobe was because Kobe was a practicing Jew, he really truly kept the Sabbath. He kept Shabbat. When it became Saturday, because we were there for two weeks, our professor had lined up another trip, had found even another tour guide to lead us because Kobe could not. You see, strict rules govern how you do the Sabbath, and Kobe followed all of them. Even when we as a group went to the cafeteria, because a lot of times the places that we were staying in had kind of a a community cafeteria that you would go to. All the food was laid out there. It was kind of grab and go. There wasn't anything prepared. A lot of the chefs and cooks were also Jewish. And they had it laid out the night before. Even coffee. And I always think this one was funny because coffee, you couldn't press a button. Because if you pressed a button, that would create a spark. And if you created a spark, that's the same as kindling fire, which is against Exodus 35, verse 3. So you can't do that. And so when you went to get coffee, you had this massive lever that you had to pull down. And the lever was kind of hard to pull down. And I thought, this is less work than pushing a button? But that was part of them trying to keep this law, this legal code. And Kobe, Kobe was a professional. He had done this before. He had everything laid out the night before. Even his television, something that I never really thought of. He would set it to one station. And he would actually turn his TV on and get all ready to go before he went to bed. It was on one station because he couldn't press a remote. And so that one day that we were there, and it was Shabbat for him, and we were getting ready to leave, we were actually heading to Bethlehem that day, he asked if anybody wanted to hang out and watch basketball, because that was the station he had chosen, was basketball. And so he was going to watch basketball all day long. He had all these lists of rules that he had to follow. He had these lists of legal demands that he had to achieve. As we look at the text that stands before us, we can see a glimpse of that in the Pharisees. In fact, actually, we see the Pharisees who probably had more. 
We know from some of the ancient documents that in fact the Pharisees and the Jews of the day of Christ actually did have more. They had more and more laws. They had more and more rules that they had to follow. And so they have this confrontation with Jesus. And Jesus has to respond. But Jesus also responds in a similar fashion in Matthew 12 and in Mark 2 where he reminds us that he is the Lord of the Sabbath and that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God did not create us for the sake of the Sabbath, but he created the Sabbath, that rest, for the sake of man. When I was in seminary, I I worked at a church called Kaiv Shalom. I've talked about it in the past before, especially if you've been in Bible study. You've probably heard me talk about it. It was a church that was filled almost completely with Jewish converts. People that had converted from Judaism into Christianity. And specifically, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And this was their church. Kaiv Shalom was the name of it. They met in Clayton in St. Louis. And that was where I would go for about a month or two. And I remember getting to know the people. I absolutely loved it. But towards the end... I ran into somebody I knew. I ran into Matt. Now, what's interesting about this story is that Matt was an acquaintance of mine that I knew through my cousins. He went to high school in Washington, Missouri, which is about uh, 10 miles from Union, Missouri, which is where I went to high school. He went to high school in Washington, Missouri, but I knew him from my cousins who somehow knew him even though they lived 45 minutes away. But all of this goes to say... Probably about two weeks before I left Kaiv Shalom, in walks Matt, which surprised me. I almost didn't recognize him. Matt started going to Kaiv Shalom. He loved it. Even though he had been raised Catholic, not Jewish, Catholic, he absolutely loved the church. I was able to actually have a conversation with him shortly after my time at Kaiv Shalom had ended. Uh, It's actually the last time I got a chance to talk to him, so about 14, 15 years ago. Uh, So it's been a while since I've run into Matt. But one of the things I loved about Matt was the fact that he had such a great perspective specifically on the Sabbath. You see, a lot of the people that were in Kaiv Shalom struggled with that. They struggled with all the laws and the rules that they had, that they had been raised to follow, that now they were kind of getting rid of. And so they had kind of struggled with where exactly they should go and how they should treat some of these laws and some of these rules. But I thought Matt had a great perspective. He honored the Sabbath. He took the Sabbath seriously. That was part of the reason that really drew him to Kaiv Shalom was the fact that they took the Sabbath as seriously as they did. But Matt also lived in the real world. And sometimes sometimes his job would have him travel for weeks and maybe even months on end. But he always took the Sabbath seriously. Even when he traveled, he would try to find another church to go to. He would spend time reading his Bible. He would spend time in prayer. Sometimes his parents, who still lived in Washington, would invite him over for dinner. And so he would go there and spend time with his family. Spend time at rest with his family. But he always kept his Savior in mind. He always kept the Word of God in mind. He honored the Sabbath. 
He remembered the Sabbath day and kept it holy, as the third commandment says. He had a good perspective. I even knew a lady up in Wisconsin uh, that she used to have a tradition that she did with her kids and then her grandkids where she'd make a thing of chip dip every Sunday afternoon and you had to sit at the table if you went to church and talk about the sermon. But that was the only way you got chip dip. You didn't get chip dip if you didn't go to church. That was the rule. God created Sabbath for you. He created Sabbath because while as human beings we were created to work, to move, to do things, we also need rest. But even more than just rest, we need a time and a chance where we can gather, focus on God's Word, where we can gather together as a community around God's Holy Word, where we can strengthen each other, hold each other up, where we can also come together in prayer. We need a day when not only we rest, but also a day filled with God's Word and His presence. Not just at church. Church is important. We need to go to church. But even outside of church, when we gather with family and friends, we need to remember that today is the Sabbath. That this is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is made holy. In all of this, I hope you get two things. First of all, we firmly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that as the Son of God, He died and rose again for your sake and for your salvation. And also, that we honor the Sabbath. Not by following a list of rules, not by following a list of things that we have to do, but by setting our Heavenly Father and setting our God as first and foremost in our lives by setting aside one day a week, some way, somehow, however that looks to you. So as you go home after church today, later today, ponder this. What do you do for the Sabbath? What does your Sabbath look like? And what are some ways that maybe it can be improved? What are some things that we can do better. All of it focused around Jesus. All of it focused around our Lord. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.